Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on this beautiful Friday morning here in the studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. I'm <clears throat> just excited to be here gathered around God's Word this morning with you, wherever you may be, and whatever time, wherever you may be. We're so thankful uh, for all that God is doing in these last few moments of this age as, as He is preparing <clears throat> to pull the curtain on this age as we know it. He's about to come get His bride, but until He does, we're called to occupy the land and to keep preaching this glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful to be a part of that, just a small part, but so thankful to be a part of it. And uh, uh, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 2 today. If you want to go ahead and get your Bibles and get ready uh, to follow along with us today, this will be part 3 in this second chapter of 2 Peter. And uh, the Lord has really been pouring out a spirit of truth into our hearts. And I'm so thankful for what he's doing, what he's teaching us, what he's guiding us into, the great experience that he's giving us by faith into these great truths that he gave Peter to write to us uh, about. Uh, but before I do, let's let me again remind everybody that this next week is Determined Camp Meeting, beginning this next Thursday night, less than a week now, in Palestine, Texas, Thursday night, 6 p.m., Determined Camp Meeting takes off, and I hope that you've made plans to be there. Uh, uh, it's going to be a great and joyous time a camp meeting where God's people with this like precious faith determined to know nothing other, learning to be more determined, learning to go deeper in this great truth of Christ and Him crucified, learning that, that God speaks from heaven through the blood, learning to walk with our Lord. Hallelujah. So you're going to hear 14 ministers, and uh, it'll begin Thursday night, this next Thursday night. And it'll end Sunday night, all weekend long. It's going to be very fulfilling. The Lord has great plans for what he's going to say and do. These, these are the types of ministries and conferences that people need to be a part of. These are uh, men and women of God that gather in the name of Jesus Christ who are learning to stay gathered around the sacrifice of the Lamb they're, they're not afraid to warn of the things that are corrupt and causing harm uh, in the body of Christ, uh, uh, just like Paul did. And uh, so uh, th this, is, this is a place where the, the, you know, many, many are learning to walk. Well, not many, but there be few across the land who are learning to walk in this narrow way. And I'm so thankful for the fellowship of determined ministers that I get to be a part of every year at these determined meetings. So again, as if you'll go and watch this on the YouTube channel as I upload it there later, while I'm saying all this about determined camp meeting, you'll see the list of ministers and the times that they'll be speaking. And we're just getting ready to have a great time in the Lord. And I hope that you're among us. There are people coming from all over the country. So let's be a part of this great conference this year. And God is going to speak. He's going to give instruction and direction. There's not going to be any distractions concerning anything that's not the focus of Jesus Christ and his glorious gospel. Hallelujah. So I'll see you there Thursday night at 6 p.m. And I had a marvelous time in Brockton, Massachusetts this past weekend. Very great things happening. And let me just say very productive weekend there in Brockton as there is some people there who love the truth, who are learning to love the the focus of the cross. So pray for that area. I, we already know the Lord wants a local church established there focused on this gospel. That's what he's doing. That's what he's really, that's all he's ever done is to plant and establish local churches preaching this determination to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified from Genesis to Revelation. And we had a great time of fellowship and truth and it was marvelous. And I'm just praying for those folks there uh, that I dearly love in Brockton, Massachusetts. And that area 
So be praying with us for God's will to happen and because I'm telling you, it is God's will that there be a people there gathered knowing nothing but Christ and him crucified. Praise the Lord. Well, here we are today in 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're going we're gonna to have to, uh, first of all, before we read through this chapter and go further today, we have to stop right here and go down, well, we have to cover just some things through this chapter so we'll all be on the same page of the same mindset. And that one thing we're going to look at initially today is that this chapter is focused on uh, men and women who infiltrate the church who do begin right. These are, they, they, you'll see this. I, the Lord is going to show it to you today. The, these, these are not people who come into the church who are lost. These are people who start out right. They start out right with everybody else, and then they turn away from what's right, and we'll see the result of that. And that's a reality in this chapter. Again, if you've always thought that what we're about to read and what's written here in the second chapter of Second Peter is about lost people in, inside. And there are tares. There are tares. There are lost people within the church. But this is not about that. And we'll see that here in this second chapter. So first of all, let's look at verse 1. And Peter's writing, but there were false prophets also among the people. And if you look back at the end of the uh, first chapter of Second Peter, you'll see uh, that he's at the very end of it. He's talking about <clears throat> that the prophecy of old times, the prophets didn't speak just by the will of men, but holy men of God as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So here he says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. That's us. And, and I have to say this today. We are in the time period that we are in. I hope you know what period that is. We're not headed into all this stuff. We're not this, this, these things written about. We're not in the middle of all these things written about. We, we've are, this, this stuff happened long ago, and, we've, and the church has been in the middle of it for a long time. We're literally at the end why, why it's so infiltrated now to where what we're about to read here is not just every once in a while there being a church with this. This is almost all churches everywhere. And, and this is how we know because if the full throttle and full thrust and full focus is not the lamb slain, the church is in big trouble no matter what church it is, where it's at, who, how long, it don't matter. If the full throttle and thrust and focus of any ministry is not the cross of Christ, then that means they've wavered away from it. And that means we're at the end of this age where these things that begin to happen, the, the things that really just infiltrated the church, we're now at the end of the age where even Bible colleges are full of wrong. Even Bible colleges, seminaries are full of everything but the Holy Spirit and the truth of the Lamb slain. I'm, I'm telling you, we're, the age is about to close. So we're, we're not just now getting into this stuff. We're, we're not even in the middle of it. We're through the middle of it to where it's now beginning to just cause havoc everywhere this i mean it's 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 been that way for a long time where the focus is not the cross there's nothing there but tragedy the corruption of the flesh no matter how faithful we've been to a preacher or to a ministry or to a denomination to a local church if the full throttle and thrust is not the focus of the cross of christ and if it is the church will be known for it determined to know nothing else. If that's not the case, then the corruption and destruction of the flesh is taking place. And you can't get around it scripturally. So watch this. False teachers uh, shall be among you, and they'll be privately shall bring in damnable heresies, meaning disunions, things that cause the church to be disunioned. That means 
dismembered in our experience. We are one body of Christ, but in our experience, there will be a disunion, a dismemberment, a, a division in offense based on contrary doctrine. Paul wrote to the church in Rome in chapter 16 of the book of Romans, mark those that cause division and offenses due to contrary doctrine and avoid them. So this, it, the church is full of this. Seminaries are full of this. So watch this. Verse 2, many shall follow their destructive ways is what pernicious means. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Many will follow their indecent behavior, which is always going to be there when the cross is not the focus. Many will follow their indecent behavior, and because of them, the way of the truth will be Dis, you know, slandered the way of the cross and all these excuses we hear today. They've made a law out of preaching the cross. All these people, they're determined. They're just, they ain't nothing but self-determined. And, and all, all, all these things that are said out. I'd hate to be among those who are saying all those things because I've never heard those comments coming from the lips of those who are determined to know nothing other. So you got to be careful that you don't give some respect to a man's person or ministry, uh, because all you know when those words are being spoken, they're, they're they they they're being said like they're help want to help you instructional, but they're distracting you from who you should be and what you should be hearing. They're trying to draw you to themselves. And you need to always know that. But So let's go down here a little bit further and let's look. And there's probably more than what I'm going to show you. But first of all, before we get into this today, in, in a further way, we have to see this is talking about people who started out right, but they didn't finish. It's kind of like the parable of the seed and the sower. Some, the stony ground, well, I won't get into that parable today, but the stony ground is the heart that receives the truth, receives the word with joy. But it doesn't allow it to be watered. That means, oh, I got to stay the course in this truth and not be, it, it refuses to be, it doesn't get watered. Therefore, it doesn't take root and it withers away. It withers away. It's not like there wasn't a planting there, but it didn't take root, so it withered. And we're rooted and established only in the death of Jesus. Watch this now in verse 13. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to ride in the daytime, spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Oh, yes. Remember what Peter said, false teachers among you amidst the church. And I know every church thinks it's some other church. No church thinks they're deceived. No preacher thinks he's deceived. And while we mention the word deception, before I began today, the Lord was ministering to me about deception. You know, if you're deceived, you don't know you are. If I am deceived, I don't know I'm deceived. You do understand, right, that deception is, I don't know that I don't know, but I think I do. I don't know that I don't know. I don't know that I'm wrong because I think I'm right. And how can a man, this is what the Lord was ministering to me before I began today. How can a man ever escape being wrong if he doesn't know he's wrong? I want you to just ponder that. Because deception is, I don't know that I don't know. How can a man ever escape being deceived. How can a man escape being wrong if he doesn't know he's wrong? How can a man escape from sitting in a local church listening to what he's heard for 40 years and thinking it's right? 
actually thinking he's growing. Listen, deception is probably the most powerful thing outside of the law of sin and death under which all humans are born into this life and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that outweighs that law. But deception, deception means I think I know, but I don't. Listen, the, the, and, I, and I want to share this scripture with you while we're talking about this, Acts 13 and 27. You can make a note of it and read it at some point, Acts 13 and 27. I think it's Paul preaching there, and he says, all of Jerusalem and its rulers, they, they didn't know Christ, and they didn't know him because they wouldn't accept him as the Savior, their King, their Lord. But it, he says there, they read the prophets every Sabbath. They were faithful to read the Word of God, the prophets, every Sabbath. But Paul says they didn't know, they don't know the voice of the prophets. Do we sit in church week after week and not hear the voice of the Word? How many people fill pews every week and hear the Word of God, the law, the Psalms, the prophets, the New Testament, all of it, the Bible's writings. We hear the, the written word in our ears, but we're not hearing the voice that speaks from heaven through the blood. Well, we won't be hearing the voice from heaven that speaks from heaven through the blood if we're not hearing the word of the truth of the gospel, which is the focus of God's word in the light of the Lamb, who is the light, Revelation 21, 23. How can, how can I ever escape deception? Because the Pharisees, well, in that message Paul was preaching at the end of that 27th verse in Acts 13, he says, and they fulfilled the, they fulfilled the scriptures by condemning Christ. And see, even in this second chapter of 2 Peter, there's a fulfilling of Scripture by these that become brute beasts, these that move into a place of being false teachers, these who started out right, as we'll look further into today, but then they went another way. Because the only way you can start out right is through faith in the sacrifice of Christ. And Galatians 3, 1 through 3, reveal that. We can be bewitched. And unless we get a hold of the letter that the Lord sent through Paul to the church in Galatia that we have there to read for us, that we can be bewitched. I have been bewitched. And 99.9% .9 of all the church right now is bewitched. Knowing that we began in the spirit through the hearing of faith, and that means we heard the word of the truth of the gospel, the message of the cross, that form of doctrine that made us free from sin and servants of righteousness, that moment we believed with the heart under righteousness and the mouth began to speak it, that, that first moment that the Holy Spirit delivered us unto death. So for Jesus' sake that we might begin to express the life of Christ. I'm telling you, if we move away from that, we've moved away from this only proper place to walk with the Lord. So how can a man who is deceived, how can a preacher who's preached wrong for 60 years ever stop and begin to preach right? How can a preacher who's been taught by his granddaddy and his daddy all their lives and now all his life, he's taught the people what they have to do to find the power of God, what they have to do to experience the will of God instead of a focus on the lamb and what he did so they can experience the will of God, the power of God, the changing power, the keeping power of God. How can a man stop and, and be given right direction that will allow them to escape the corruption and destruction of the flesh. How, how does a man, woman, boy, or girl escape this place of thinking they're right, believing they're right with all their heart, and all of a sudden 
realizing in the heart that they've been wrong and admitting it. How does that happen? Can anyone be delivered from being deceived? Well, sure they can. Sure they can. But the only way it will happen is if the cross of Christ is involved and it becomes the focus. There are many men who hear this message of the cross and they say, well, I believe that. I've always believed that. And I preach that. And you listen to them and you'll see they don't preach this. They preach the three-step plan. As a matter of fact, they'll get mad if you say anything to them about offering to the people what's obviously God won't be able to use to deliver them from the bondages they have or to heal their broken marriages or to help them train their children up in the way they should go. The, the three-step plans, the, the number list they give them or passing out the pieces of paper so we can uh, check off certain boxes to determine what kind of personality we have so that we can see what kind of giftings of the Lord that we might have and all these natural, physical things that are unscriptural, unscriptural. But we think we're helping the people, so we're not condemning anybody for saying these things because I've been there. But until, and most of the time, nobody escapes these things. Now hear me this morning. Most of the time, I wouldn't dare say all the, but hardly ever does anybody escape these things, this place of deception, until God allows the enemy to cause a ruckus. A ruckus. Now think about that. Until you know, I remember in my own life, I mean, we, we knew that what we were hearing was not scriptural. And that is why we got up and left out of the church years ago, 20 years ago. And I remember leaving saying to the Lord, Lord, thank you for getting me out of here. They're all messed up. And the Lord immediately right then spoke to my heart and said, you are as messed up as they are because I didn't know the one thing that would deliver me from what I've called being messed up, and I mean being in false doctrine, that which God can't use to mature you, to grow you, to deliver you, to, 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 to use you in ministerial way. He can't use you if it's not through our exclusive faith in the sacrifice of Christ. And I had to learn that. So the answer to the question this morning, how does anyone escape this place of being wrong but not knowing they are? How, how can anyone escape the foolishness of statements such as I've heard all through the last 20 years. I remember specifically a lady came one night and sat down by me at a sporting function and said, I love your teaching. Oh, I love your teaching and I'd love to be in your church. But if I left my local church, my grandmother would turn over in her grave. Now I'm not being ugly and there's no condemnation for that lady that said that. But there is much foolishness and there is much control of men, the fear of men involved in that. And so even I believe to this day, it's been 10, 15 years ago, they're still sitting and listening to that which cannot help, cannot mature, cannot grow. The most exciting thing they've got going there is seeing people they can gather with there whenever they gather. But the Lord showed her where she should be listening to hear the truth, where she should be planted to be able to be hearing and to be able to experience by faith the flourishing in the courts of God. And the Lord wanted me to share these things today about how can I ever escape this place of not knowing that I don't know. Thinking I'm right, but I'm as wrong as I could be. It's only when I will accept the cross of Christ as God's only answer for all things. Until then, 
There's going to be a wishy-washy mixture. And when I'm not trusting in the sacrifice of Christ, it won't be God working in my life. It'll just be the corrupt flesh and the sin nature, as Paul wrote in Romans 7, deceiving me and slaying me. Slaying me means keeping me in a place that's unfruitful, just as Galatians 5, 1 through 4 bears record. Fall from grace, no effect from Christ, no profit from Christ. We don't want to be there. So watch this. At the end of verse 13, it says these men will be found feasting with us. This means in our local worship services, our, our, our love feast is what they were called in the early church. So let's go on down here. Verse 17 says that they're whales without water. They're whales without water. And Jude called them clouds without rain. And I'll have to say, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's very beautiful. The prophet Nahum in chapter 1 verse 3 says that the clouds are the dust of God's feet. And spiritually, because Jude says these type of men we're reading about here in 2 Peter chapter 2, Jude says these that creep in among us with this, these contrary doctrines other than the form of doctrine that saved us and made us servants of righteousness, that word, that pattern of the cross, they're clouds without rain. Well, Nahum the prophet said the clouds are the dust of God's feet. They're, the clouds are the dust of God's feet. God's got some clouds too that, and they're seen in that hit, the clouds that are of the Lord, they're not without rain, they are with the rain the latter rain because of the time we're living in. The clouds that are of God, not the clouds that have no rain, as Jude spoke of, but the clouds that are of God, his ministers of righteousness, they are the dust of his feet. They are the dust of where he's walking and they have rain. But here we see they are whales without water. And now let's move to verses 20 and 21. Now we're going back to cover all this because it's <coughs> of utmost important, utmost importance, especially for our time, right? It has been for all times, but right now, when deception is so big that there's rarely a place that it doesn't exist. Now I want you to see this. In verse 20, Peter says, For if they have escaped the pollutions of the world, so they have, they have, they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Notice here the, the phrase, if they are again entangled therein and overcome. Now I have been entangled for years, I was entangled, but thank God I wasn't overcome. Ah, there's a big difference, my friend. We, we, can get entang we can get tangled up in things that are wrong, but we can come out. We can come out. I'm living proof, hallelujah. And, and many, 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 many others are living proof that we, we can be entangled. We can hear things that are not right. And the lust of our flesh, James wrote, the lust of my own flesh is what got me in all my trouble. I can't blame other people. God's going to deal with them. Uh, he's going to deal with all of us. But it's the lust of my flesh that goes after these things away from the sacrifice. So we've been entangled, but thank God I wasn't overcome. When you're overcome, listen, when you're overcome, that means your latter end is going to be worse than you were in the beginning. 
These that are overcome by this false stuff. These who just move away from Calvary and say, yeah, I got that, but you know that, that's not really the all the answer. Or, or even those that say it is all the answer, but then they prove to them through what they preach, it is not all the answer. And if it is not all the answer, if it is not the full throttle and thrust of our ministry and all of our messages, hear me today, then we are entangled up in something other than it just being Jesus. I don't care how much we sing the song, tied up, tied, whatever, all tangled up in Jesus. If we're if the full throttle thrust of our ministries, our messages, our focus, our view, our experience is not the sacrifice of Christ, we are tangled up in something. You need to hear me today, but you don't have to be overcome. You will be if you don't come out. You will be if we just stay in a place where we, we say, well, I know the cross is the answer, but that but is your entanglement in something you don't need to be entangled in. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. That but is what keeps you entangled and, and prevents you from becoming determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. Glory be to God. Now watch this. Uh, you don't have, you, there's a difference between being entangled and entangled and overcome. Because if you're overcome by all the other, then it says the latter end is going to be worse with them than the beginning. Watch verse 21. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, listen carefully to the wording, than after they have known it. And this does not mean, like many teach today, to avoid the reality and the, and the, and the, da the serious danger of this, that, that this just means they heard it, but they didn't accept it. No, that, listen, they, they knew it, they accepted it, but they turned from the holy commandment that was delivered unto them. Let me read that again. For it had been better for them not to have known. See, that tells us they knew it. Not just hear it, they knew it. And you can't know it unless you were born again by it. Glory be to God. You can't know it unless you are born again by it. What? For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, which is the way of the cross. No other way. The way of the cross is the way of righteousness. Then after they have known it, to turn from, notice here what the Holy Spirit calls the way of righteousness, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Last verse. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to its own vomit again, and the pig, the sow, that was washed to her wallowing in the mire again. See, it tells as a dog puked up, excuse the expression, he threw up what was got rid of what was harming him, the sickness, sin for us. The pig, the sow, that was washed from her old nasty pig pen. But this dog returns to eat the very vomit, the stuff that was in him making him sick to vomit. Come on now. Do you see this? The pig's been washed clean, but goes back to lay in that which had it unclean. Get this. This is talking about people false teachers among you. So let's go back up here now and let's start in verse 4. And I know it took a half an hour to get to this point, but we still got a half hour to go. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't forget, you can watch everything we do on the YouTube channel. Curtis Hutchinson, 316. Write it down. Go find it later. Subscribe to it. Be alerted when we go live. You can see all this. All the live worship services are on there. They'll be live there. Watch them. Follow along. Verse 4, 2 Peter 2. says, Because if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now, now uh, 
this could be this could be talking about the angels, the fallen angels that did what they did. I believe it's in Genesis eight that with the daughters of men that they you know angels you know they can be, angels have power and 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 even the fallen angels had power. God knew that. That's why He had to take them and bind them in chains and move them out of the way because they, they were doing things that just he wasn't going to allow. He did allow it for a purpose. We'll learn one day what all that was. But for now, we need to understand that these, these fallen angels, uh, they, they really were found in intimacy with the daughters of men, and that's where the giants came from. Now, I know there's a lot of disagreement on that, so I'm not going to get into it with anybody you know, don't email me. Don't 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 want me to comment. Refer to that because there's a possibility that it might mean something else. There you go. But nevertheless, it is angels, and they are the fallen angels, a part of those fallen angels. And God has cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now, what we're going to read here is a list of things the Holy Spirit wants us to see that God has done to the wicked, whether it be angels or whether it be uh, uh, demons uh, working through men. He's going to give us a whole lot of things we can see here that has taken place. But the point of what we're about to read, and get this, we'll see it in the Scriptures, is that God knows how to deliver His people out of all this stuff that God's going to do whatever it takes to deliver his people out of all this stuff if they will go his way. If they will go his way. God doesn't just show up and de deliver his people when they get off track. If he did, I wouldn't have had to spend years being deceived. Come on now. There are countless millions right now that if God just showed up and snatched us all out of everything we got into that's wrong, nobody would be deceived. And we wouldn't even need these scriptures. But we have them because we need them because deception fills the walls within the church today. Huge. Most pulpits are filled with deception. And again, deception is when the focus is not Calvary. Deception is when... We don't know that the cross is what saved us and the cross of Christ is the only object of the one faith, the measure we've been given. And the only thing we can exercise that faith in is that sacrificial work of Christ. And when we don't know that, we're deceived. We're trying to take faith that God gave us and put it in something else. I'm not going to teach that again as much as I'd love to, but I've got some videos out 15, 18 minute long here recently called overflow go look at those and you'll see and you need to what so let's read this again for if god spared not the angels that sinned those that sinned those that sin against god and work against his will let me just say it according to the scriptures they're not going to be spared they're going to be put away but he cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and he spared not the old world. This is, this is God getting rid of angels. This is God getting rid of people. That for us, even at the great white throne judgment, when the, the, the final judgment, when all the lost race of Adam, all the billions, possibly a trillions or whatever the number is, that have rejected Christ, whether it was... They never received him, or they did, and then they said, forget it, I found a better way. They're going to be cast into the lake of fire. That is even for us. That is even for us, because they will be forever removed from a place of ever even being in our minds, ever being in a place of hindering us ever again. Everything God is doing is for his people. Those that know him, those he knows are his, those who he has chosen in Christ Jesus, those who he is conforming into the image of his son, which are those who are being made conformable unto his son's death, hallelujah, which are those who are in the process of beholding that glorious image as in a mirror and who are being changed into that image from glory to glory. 
That's who God is protecting. That is who God has hedged in. And listen, just because we haven't got everything right doesn't mean that we're no longer God's people. The only thing that moves us into the category of being entangled and overcome is when we move away from the cross and say, it is not the answer. It is not the answer. And that is a, and, and listen, that doesn't have to be the words of our mouth. Remember, it's our hearts that show God what we're believing. And our lips speak out of the abundance of that heart, Matthew 12, 34. It's the heart. That's why Jesus many times would answer people when their lips weren't even moving because he, would, he was dealing with the hearts. He looks on the inward man. Get this now. So it's not so much as what we say we believe, it's what we believe with the heart. And when we're believing what's right with the heart, the lips are going to speak it. 2 Corinthians 4, 11 through 13, show the reality and the focus of the spirit of faith is that it beholds the Lamb and accepts its assigned and designated place of our union in death with Jesus Christ for Jesus' sake so that we can express the life of Jesus because verse 12, 2 Corinthians 4, we accept the work of death in us so that the life of Christ can be expressed through us and life be worked in other people through that process. And the next verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 4 speaks on that spirit of faith. That same spirit of faith also works in us, which is we have believed and therefore we speak. Romans 10 and 10. We believe with the heart under righteousness, then the mouth speaks. The reason there's so much wrong speaking is because of all the wrong stuff in the heart. When the focus is not the sacrifice of Christ, the word will never be in its right context when ministered. When the heart is not believing under righteousness, when the heart is not a spirit-taught heart, being taught the word of God in its righteous context, meaning the way of the cross, the focus of Calvary, then the lips will never be able to speak as God could be speaking and we can sit week after week and hear the word proclaimed, declared, decreed, spoken, but not be hearing the voice of God. And remember, if you missed the first part of this, Acts 13 and 27, all of Jerusalem and its rulers sat every Sabbath hearing the prophets read to them but they never knew the voice of the prophets, the voice of God. They never knew the voice of God through the prophets. That's why they condemned Jesus because they would not accept him. And even those of us who've accepted Christ, most all preachers and churches in this very moment are entangled, many having already been overcome and chosen. Enough of the cross, we need to move on. Only God knows where men, women, boys, and girls are in that process because it's in the heart where it's taking place, all of it. So we have to be careful when we judge. We can judge and see people are going the wrong way and we can warn of that but exactly the degree of their entanglement. Their entanglement, because I've been entangled. Listen, the question is, will they come out of that entanglement before they're overtaken by it? Choosing altogether to go a different way than the way of the cross, the way of righteousness. Watch this now as we continue here in verse five and see here as God is revealing to us through Peter 
that God deals with those who are not in his will, who are trying to distract from and hinder his people to carry out his will, to be found in his will. He knows how to deal with them because he knows how to deliver us. Hallelujah. So watch this. And it's verse 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Can we stop there and make a point about that, that the Lord has always shown me such a frightening and alarming thought that could be in the mind of man. That a son, a little boy, a granddaddy, great-granddaddy standing there watching the old man build the ark. And his family of seven. And the little boy asks his daddy and his granddaddy, Daddy, what if the old man is right? What if it does begin to rain? And what if it does wash everyone away that's not on his boat? What if he's right? What if the way of righteousness, what if the way of a promised one way, promised redeemer is the only way? And I can imagine in that day, just as it is in this day, as Jesus said it would be, that many would be found saying, son, don't pay any attention to him. There's more than one way to God. God loves us like he loves them. That's just what God is doing in their life. God loves us, son, my grandson. Don't worry about it. God loves us like he loves everybody. God didn't put us here on this earth to wash us away with a flood. He loves us too. And oh, so great and factual statements they were as God does love people. But God did destroy everyone on the earth in that day except for the eight people that truly knew his one and only avenue of true love, the way of the sacrificial promise of a redeemer. God didn't spare them and he's not going to spare many in the coming very soon great tribulation where the blood will be to the level, the Bible says, up to the bridles on the horses for miles and miles and miles. Most will not be spared, but there is a remnant God will spare. Just he's found you, just as he's found you and saved you, just as he's shown up in your life again and spared you and delivered you out of the entanglement and brought you back to Calvary's focus so that you wouldn't be in, overcome in that entangling web of corruption and destruction of our fleshly lust of what is seemingly so right but can only end in death. He's faithful. Watch this now. And he even turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes and condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly lives. And I want to bring up this word ensample because it does have a little different twist than the word Example, And let's look at it. I'm looking at it now from the Strong's number G5263. And it means an exhibit for imitation or warning. A pattern. And here we're told it is the sign. It is the exhibit that God has displayed. It is the pattern for which God has displayed for the ungodly of what is coming to them for their rejection of his son. Watch verse 7. And he delivered just Lot. That means justified Lot, righteous Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation, the conduct of the wicked there where he was in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
because that righteous man dwelling among them, speaking of Lot, just justified Lot, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed, tormented his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Don't you feel that's the way you are in this old evil world in which you and I live? You see, if Sodom and Gomorrah was the exhibit, the ensample, the pattern for the ungodly, then we among the ungodly can see that as well. But we also, as those who have been justified by the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God slain on Calvary's tree, we have another pattern in which we look at, that form of doctrine, that pattern of doctrine that all things have become in focus to us through, and that is the pattern, the word of the cross. <laughs> The word of the cross in which we see the ungodly, those who are ungodly. We see these who have infiltrated the church. We see and we speak against the false teachers and we're called unloving for it. But we do it anyway because we see God knows what true love is and what true love does. True love rejoices in the truth and God who is the greatest, the Bible says, not just some picture of love, God is love. Is it 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 and 16? Both those verses tell us God is love. He is the epitome and the fullness of love. And it's him and his love for the just, for the people who are being tormented by these fallen angels these people, Noah and his family, who were being blasted as idiots and fools for being preachers of righteousness, it was God's love, hear me now, that removed all the ungodly. Get that now. Verse 9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. See, just Lot was in living in Sodom and Gomorrah, and the Bible here proves to us a point that his soul was vexed, being tormented, because he knew the truth and he believed the truth, but he was in this place, just like you and I are in a world of Sodom and Gomorrah. The world is Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that because the ungodly are all those who've not chosen Christ to believe upon Christ and his sacrificial work on Calvary's cross and never let go of it. So everywhere there's no faith in the cross is something that's ungodly. Even if it's those who among us, even if it is me at times who hold God's truth in an unrighteous context, Romans 1.18, write it down and look at it. Even if I hold God's truth in an unrighteous context, his wrath, which is his resistance, which is against the ungodliness and unrighteousness, which is all that's taken place there through holding God's truth in an unrighteous context, which is outside the perimeters of the way of the cross, the pattern, the, the doctrine, the, 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 that form of all the words of God. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Will all be delivered? No, but the Lord knows how, and the Lord is willing, and the Lord desires to. I'm living proof of it, and I believe millions others have been delivered, but there are more millions who have not because first you have to hear the voice that's speaking from heaven through the blood to bring you back to the first place you were brought near initially Ephesians 2 13 we were made near by the blood Jesus said if I be lifted up he's talking about the death he would die on the cross I will draw there all men unto me. There is no drawing place of God except to the cross. 
That's why all gatherings that get together, whenever they get together, if they're not drawing together around the sacrificial work of the Lamb, God's, God's not drawing them there to that place. That's why he's raising up ministries now, here and there, where the gathering is the gathering around the sacrificial truth of the Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. Where gathering truly is in the name of Jesus so that he can be in the midst of that congregation doing the work, imparting the truth, bringing the blessing that his people have the heritage of experiencing here and now. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Remember he, remember he delivered Lot. He had to grab him by the hand and get him out. Thank God he showed up and grabbed me by the hand and got me out. Hallelujah. But listen, just because he grabs us by the hand and starts leading us doesn't mean that we can't jerk that hand back. Lot's wife turned and looked back because she didn't really want to leave. There was something there that had her heart. You know what it was, don't you? People. Oh, the power of people and the ties to people that Jesus said if we allowed to get between him and the truth of who he is, that we're not worthy of being his disciple. Oh, the power and the fear of man that only brings a snare that prevents the will of God from taking place in our lives. Oh, the power and the fear of men Oh, the power and the fear of a spouse, which is man. Oh, the fear and the power of men that will cause our hearts to tremble and move away from the truth of Calvary unless we become determined that no matter who else goes this way, not just singing the song, though none go with me, oh, no. We learn to walk in this place where most will not go with you. Most will make fun of you. Most will laugh and mock and give all kinds of false reasons that you're going the way you're going. This one narrow exclusive way of the cross. You must continue. Let's read this verse 9. We're about out of time. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations <laughs> and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly, meaning, well, get this now, but chiefly, mainly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, that means anything that's not the way of the cross, and despise the government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. Self, self they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And we're going to have to start right here next week because we're out of time. But I would just encourage you to get your Bibles and let the Holy Spirit teach you to keep your eyes on Jesus and his sacrificial work for you at Calvary, for it is only there that the Holy Spirit is delivering you unto always for Jesus' sake, so that what he did there won't be in vain, but rather you'll be able to express by faith in that alone the life of Jesus that is in you, it's been a great session today. I've loved every minute of it. I'm more excited about this way of Calvary than I've ever been before. I admitted to the Lord in 2005, Lord, the cross is the answer. It is your only answer for any and everything that I need from you. It is my beginning with you. It is my way of perfection with you. You authored, began, and you finished, perfected this faith that you've given me to be in a relationship with you by, through 
and to be among the body of Christ what I should be. Aren't you thankful today to know these great truths? Aren't you so thankful? I pray that today the Lord would touch your heart. And from this moment on, we would have more of a spirit-taught heart than ever before. And that he would be able to guide you into more truth than ever before. And that your stand would be firmer, more firm than it's ever, ever before been in that liberty wherewith he made you free in Christ Jesus. There's not another way God's offering, and I'm thankful that we, you and I, have found this way. I pray that the touch of the Lord even be on your body today, that, that today would be the day that you experience that miracle you've been praying for. It won't happen because I declare it. You just keep your heart saturated with the truth of your Savior and what he did for you at Calvary. For through the hearing of faith, miracles are worked among the body of Christ. And I sure love you. And I just give God all the praise for what he's imparting to those who have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying today. God bless you. If the Lord stirs your heart to give to him, through this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you Sunday morning. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.